All right, hey everybody, it's uh, Johnny Torres. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're only about an hour late. Hey, but who's counting, right? Thank you so much for watching the most important and relevant podcast in politics. This is the Yard Sign coming to you every Monday night. Uh, we appreciate you for watching. Uh, still kind of figuring out a new setup here. Hopefully, we'll be back in a new space soon so we can all be under the same roof. Uh, Johnny Torres with you as always, and as expected, we've got lots of. Uh, Plenty to talk about, especially since we uh, took last week off to celebrate the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as our super shenanigans topic of the day. Um, and uh, as you can see, impeachment for all. Uh, we've got, of course, the Trump impeachment to talk about. Now a potential recall or impeachment of Governor Newsom in California and Governor Cuomo in New York. So the, the big three states uh, all <laughs> under fire. Um, in one way or another. Digital exile, uh, as more and more conservatives continue to be censored and deplatformed from Facebook and Twitter, uh, where are they going? Uh, we'll give you an update on Parler, also a new platform called Clubhouse, uh, and uh, we'll discuss a little bit about uh, where exactly do conservatives have to go when it comes to um, using digital platforms as a platform to uh, you know exercise their free speech and promote their campaigns and their issues and their agendas biden versus desantis so you may have heard president biden saying that uh he may put travel restrictions on people traveling to and from the state of florida uh, of course as you might have expected that got ugly really quick uh as desantis is uh getting pretty aggressive getting pretty bullish um and pushing back on that and uh, and then as i mentioned uh tampa bay was just partying up for the past week we'll talk a little bit about uh, not only the super bowl but of course all the festivities and everything that took place thereafter okay let's go ahead and get into today's panel we've got some new faces for you which i'm excited about and one that uh, eh, you know i'm not so excited no i'm just kidding anibal cabrera joins us as always we've also got brock mccoskey joining us he's a political consultant uh and among many other talents and then andrew cherry as well who's a, a republican uh conservative activist here in tampa bay been involved for a long time as well right now hold on a second let me do the uh the gallery view so we can get everybody in the screen there there we go uh fellas thank you so much for joining us um oh hang on one second we've got the switch back there we go um uh it's great to see you guys everybody looking pretty good well lit uh and uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, good audio here from all of you let's go ahead and start off with the uh first topic of the day which uh again you know not surprisingly uh we are seeing now Governor Newsom under attack because he's pretty much shut down his entire state uh, for almost a year now. And then Governor Cuomo is under fire for uh, putting his state uh, basically under peril uh, because of coronavirus and lying about uh, the number of victims that uh, the state of New York has had in coronavirus. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, President Trump coming off of a second acquittal uh, from the impeachment hearings in D.C. Uh, not a lot of fireworks because it kind of, the outcome was pretty much what we expected. Right, guys? I was going to say, I hope you're doing more than nodding. I mean, I'm like...
Yeah, Andrew. He disses the, the former president, and um, I mean, I, I think I think we all got the results that we expected. Well, the other thing too, go ahead, John. Uh, <clears throat> again, thank you to everybody for watching the yard sign. Johnny Torres here with you. Uh, we are uh, just working out. A few kinks here on the audio side, but uh, we're talking about impeachments for all. Of course, Donald Trump's uh, got acquitted. Now, uh, when we kind of turn the page over to um, what we're seeing happening in California, let's start with Newsom. You know, Brock, you were actually uh, spending some time in California during this uh, pandemic. Uh, give us an idea of kind of what you saw, what you heard, you know, from business owners being out that way. And uh, do you think this recall uh, might work? Well, I think they're going to recall him. I, whether or not in, you know, it's a bigger question as to whether or not in the state the size of California they can actively, you know, take him out of office. Um, you know, I was out there um, right before the, I guess it was December, re, the re-shutdown, if you will. Um, you know, it was kind of fascinating. We went to a couple of restaurants where they had forced them to have dining outside they had forced them in some cases to have tents in the parking lot and heaters and the infrastructure that goes along with you know um uh, opening up an outdoor restaurant um and then you know a week after we got there they shut down indoor indoor and outdoor dining um literally shutting down restaurants to anything but takeout really with no explanation um he kind of randomly divided the state into regions and uh and and you know, pegged the open and closed to ICU beds, all things that have no basis in science whatsoever. Um, it, you know, we've seen that, unfortunately, public health people don't seem to have a real grasp on what they're, on what they're telling us at any, any given point. Granted, they're learning as, you know, as everyone else is learning, but I think you start to see this massive distrust, um, you know, when people, uh, you know, continue to get shut down, uh, are told they can't work, um, you know, and then there was a massive thing in L.A. County when we were there that they worked really hard to get every restaurant worker who lost their job $800, which I'm sure those people were happy for the $800, but I'm not sure how they're going to pay the rest of their probably exorbitant Los Angeles rent. Um, you know, that was a one-time payment from the county, um, kind of a take-it-or-leave-it it scenario. So, you know, do I think that he would, uh, do I think that he'll be recalled? Yeah, I think there's enough anger. Uh, Gavin Newsom, starting with the French Laundry debacle, um, you know, followed by just a complete, you know, lack of grasp on the situation. So, um, you know, I'd be really, really shocked to see him taken out of office, but heck, it's politics in California. So I'm just curious to see, along with apparently the mayor of San Diego and Rick Grinnell, I'm, I'm waiting to see which other B-level, maybe Scott Bale will run or, or you know, a couple of, you know, maybe uh, Pamela Anderson, if she still lives in California. Whatever, but it's going to be an interesting, you know, clown show there. Um, 
I think at the end of the day, what's going to happen is we're going to, I don't think we're going to see a repeat of 2003. I do agree with Brock that we will see the, um, the Republicans get themselves together to actually do the recount. They're looking to, to pull in 2 million um, um, cards, allowing them to do the recount, because they know they're going to lose at least half a million, uh, especially with the Democrats, in regards to accounting of the, the votes for the recount. Do I think they will, the party will get together beforehand to be able to pick someone that will actually unite the party and get everyone moving together? I don't think so. Uh, they had, again, this hasn't been ha this hasn't been done since 2003, and that was with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which had a name recognition off the roof. Um, so I don't see uh, Pamela Anderson jumping in. I think Rick Grinnell might have a pretty decent chance. Also, but again, the way that I think Brock, you could probably uh, confirm this, the guerrilla election cycle, the way the guerrilla elections are there, um, it, it's going to be very interesting. If you have more than one Republican on the ticket, they're probably going to lose it. I think we lost. I think I think Republicans lost California a long time ago. I think Arnold was probably the last major player, you know, major player with name recognition in in the state. Well, there's you know there is one candidate out there right now. The question is if you can get some through some sort of primary because he is a bit of a moderate Republican. But there's a former mayor of San Diego. In fact, the last Republican mayor named Kevin Falconer, who um, you know I know has a good team, uh, has some name ID in one of the largest cities in the state. Um, raised a million dollars in his first week because he did he did essentially already open a committee um, on the off chance they do recall um, Gavin Newsom. So it, it's uh, he seems to be putting the right kind of operation in place. Um, and, and you know, I, again, and let me maybe amend my previous conversation. I, I think that there is a chance that a Republican could win the recall, but I think you know at the next regular election we probably get taken out again. Um, the, the electorate is just different in a recall. Um, it's the only thing on the ballot. It's expensive. People are generally really fatigued by the amount of, you know, bruising uh, political uh, advertisement that they see on an everyday basis. So a lot of people stay home. Um, so is it possible? I think it's probably better than possible, but I wouldn't give it probable. But, you know, Kevin Falconer and Rick Rennell are really the only two names that have even really been bantied about at this point in time. Well, and so let's go ahead and then shift focus over to New York, where uh, we're hearing uh, Governor Cuomo may also be under fire uh, for basically committing fraud, you know, and lying to the public about the number of casualties, uh, especially when, uh, you know, he was the first to really uh, order a directive that costs many, many lives in New York City. And now it's coming out that the numbers were even worse than we knew about. And so... Uh, obviously, I think politically, not that I expect Republicans to have any kind of a chance there, but you're starting to see, let's say even for New York City mayor, you're starting to see some more moderate or independent type people, you know, like Andrew Yang, who's making a run for New York City mayor and has, I think, a double digit uh, advantage right now over anybody else running. Um, you know, could we see a more moderate New York uh, governor? Uh, step up to the plate and and will the recall 
uh, or the impeachment of Governor Cuomo be successful? That is a, a whole beast unto itself in regards to how this actually came about. It's not the Republicans that are going to be the ones that take out Cuomo. It's going to be the Democrats that take out Cuomo and Albany. And from what we hear, what's happening in the state, in the state capitol is that the way Cuomo has been running the state, he hasn't been running it as a governor. He's been running it as a dictator. They are still in emergency powers, giving him a, a lot of leeway, which is where why we're in the position we are in as a New York uh, residents when it came to the nursing home situation and how they were purposely holding back the numbers of uh, individuals dying in nursing homes compared to dying in hospitals to ensure that that, that information was not used against them uh, with Trump during the summer and that's where the problem lies and where people are starting to, to you see the cracks in the foundation of Cuomo's ability to, to run that state appropriately it was done on a call and basically doing a mea culpa when it comes to the Democrat leadership inside the, the state of New York you're going to see it really blossom now because the person that, that brought it out was the uh, the AG of New York, who is who was a uh, Democrat, who ran with Cuomo's support. So this is really coming from the inside out, and I think people are tired of Cuomo. He's been there for quite some time now, and people do not like the, how how chummy he was this entire time. He won an Emmy for crying out loud for his news coverage of how he was handling the epidemic, and then he wrote a book. The narcissist, uh, how narcissistic, I can't even say the word, how, yeah, how ridiculous he is to have the balls to write a, a book about the pandemic and accept an award for his broadcasting. And I really hope this all comes and blows up in his face. This is a, a, a good sign to see, show that his political uh, dynasty and career is almost completely over. Are you, I mean, he's in real trouble. I mean, I just hope that the Republicans who are severely outnumbered in New York in the legislature can manage to find it within themselves to step out of the way and allow the Democrat on Democrat violence that's going to commence on this. Um, you know, there's no insurance that we will step out of the way and allow what, you know, what looks like it will happen to happen. But, you know, he's in a real problem. I mean, imagine, imagine, <laughs> I, I hate the whataboutism, but imagine if Governor Ron DeSantis misreported the deaths of seniors in nursing homes by 50% intentionally. Oh yeah, there would be I mean, a national what, what campaign right covered? now calling for his removal. Correct. Yeah. I mean, they, they might have just sent, you know, sent the, the federal agents to his house just directly to the governor's mansion. I mean, I, I, I overstate that, but that's the sort of, you know, that's the, the way this would be covered now. The fact that one, non-conservative media is covering this, to the, the real uproar is coming from the Democrats in the state assembly. I mean, he is he in real trouble. And quite frankly, um, you know, now that the DOJ is involved under a Democratic administration, I mean, his biggest problems might not be impeachment at this point in time. Andrew, any thoughts? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> not really. No, my 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 thoughts. I'll say this. I'll say this, guys. My thoughts, you know, are that 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 it's interesting. I feel like that Republicans don't really. We don't know how to. Um, we we don't really know how to promote ourselves properly. I think. I think that our ideology, everything. I mean, here we have DeSantis, who has the best numbers of pretty much any state in the United States. More people are moving from New York City 
to Florida. You know, it's like 450 people a day move from the New York New York area to here. I mean, I'm a, I'm a real estate broker for a living, so I'm, I'm freaking enjoying that. Um, you know, people are leaving it. I, I think it's just going to implode. And 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 the re- numbers back that. Like, people are leaving New York. Uh, Florida's growing. Miami's growing. This area's growing. Great, you know? So, you know, it's kind of like Adam Smith, you know, the, the economist or whatever. We're you know, the, the, the free market will eventually prevail. Um, and, uh, and DeSantis has made a lot of good moves, which have, um, which have really promoted Florida. And, and personally, you know, honestly, deep down inside, let the pandemic continue for another nine months. It's really good for my business. Keep the rest of the, the United States shut down. Uh, let's continue the pandemic. Um, and let's everybody just come on to Florida where it's uh, where it's a really good time. And we're, we're partying in the streets, uh, taking off for mask and, uh, and our economy is uh, freaking phenomenal. It's become a thing where you are watching the 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 media elite really go after uh, Florida and even Texas and other Republican states that have uh, governors that are doing what's uh, counter to what the rest of the country is doing. And so you see in New York where the media darling of Cuomo was being interviewed by his brother on CNN every single weekend was giving such cushy interviews and no one was hitting him in regards to this. And then for him to say, what does it matter? People die. They already died. That's, that's not the point. The point is that the reason why this is such a scandal is one your numbers were held up inappropriately because of political uh posturing and two it was your particular policy that other states adopted which would require um nursing homes to take back sick elderly individuals back into long-term care facilities where then the virus went out and spread throughout the entire facility this again the reason why florida is doing so well i will have to say is because our number one approach to this was to make sure that anyone that was over the age of 65 or older was protected those buildings and those long-term facilities were locked down as soon as we realized that 85% of those that were dying were over the age of 65 in long-term care facilities. And what did Cuomo do? He sent people back into them because they were afraid they were going to run out of beds, even though they were changed, the, the Jade Center in New York City was changed into a hospital, and they had a ship on their way. We gave The Trump administration gave them all the tools they needed to ensure they wouldn't have this issue, but because the way New York is run, an emergency system and gave all that power to the governor the governor was the one issuing policies that that resulted in people dying yeah i wonder i haven't looked this up but what are the statistics like um people above the age of 65 living in new york versus people over the age of 65 living in florida you know i i have not looked this up at all but but i would i know there are a lot of we have a, a huge retirement population here in florida and i think that overall and we've lost a lot of people i'm very sad for that i, I lost my most of my most of my family actually um, to COVID, but um, uh, yeah. That being said, it is a very real thing. Um, but I think that we fared better as a state. We lost less people than than people in New York. And I, and I would I would I would I would like to see the numbers. How many people did Florida lose above the age sixty five? What percentage did we lose versus what percentage did New York lose? And and I and I think that Florida did a lot better. I mean, we handled the situation better. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you again for joining us uh, today. 
Brock McCoskey, Andrew Cherry, and Evil Cabrera. This is the Yard Sign. We appreciate you for watching. Uh, again, don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, uh, especially on all our Tech Overlord uh, platforms that uh, you can find the show on. Uh, Google, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Audible, um, and more. All right. So, uh, you know, you can take us wherever you want. Uh, again, the audio version of our podcast uh, is just absolutely blowing up. For the video version, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we were just talking about the impeachments uh, happening right now between Newsom, Cuomo, and Trump. So we're going to move on to digital exile. One of the big fallouts from the 2020 campaign was, of course, the uh, censorship and deplatforming of conservatives, including the president, uh, over at uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, I'm sure even Instagram, uh, we continue to see uh, many instances of that happening. Uh, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, I think, was recently suspended uh, from Twitter. Uh, not sure if he's been banned permanently or not, um, but we continue to see this. And and I have actually seen a, a, a difference, or maybe it's perceptive, but, uh, you know, just being on Twitter, it just seems different. You know, it, uh, it seems like, again, you know, the the the... the the engagement that's happening, the conversation that's happening, uh, again, I think, uh, you know, as as not only they continue to censor and deplatform more people, um, but also it, as um, as they continue to, uh, you know, uh, push people out, well, then other people are going to leave, you know, and so it, it's one of these things where now conservatives, Republicans are looking for kind of a new platform where they're going to be able to express themselves and uh, promote their agendas, their candidates, uh, their viewpoints. Uh, of course, Parler early on was uh, an early favorite, uh, being that there were many conservatives that were involved in the development of that platform. Um, I've heard now, haven't looked into it, uh, but that uh, Parler is now back online after being offline, I think for well over a month at least. Um, and I like it. It doesn't look great. It's a little clunky, um, it, you know, but where I've actually uh, seen a lot of promise, not that the censorship gauntlet can't come down eventually, but where I think it's going to be a little bit more of an open platform for free speech is going to be Clubhouse. Um, what, what do you guys think in regards to, you know, again, all the deep platforming and, and censorship that's been going on in the digital space? Well, let's 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 put it this way, and I might be you know a counter here, but um, I, I really could not care less. I mean, there was first there was the First Amendment before social media existed, before Mark Zuckerberg woke up in his dorm room with an idea. There will be First Amendment protections um, after social media, and social media is run by uh, you know private entities now. Does that mean they should get any protection from the government? No, that should go away, and they should be forced to play by the same rules as everybody else. But we also have no right to free speech on these on, on these platforms. Do I think it's bad business on their part? Absolutely. Um, you know, no, I, you I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I, I got to disagree with you here. Woke mob so often, um, and and end up having that end well. Um, you know, at at the end of the day, though. Um, you know, Parler looks more and more like it's every other company. Um, their board acted like the board of any company would have acted and fired a CEO who they, they essentially canceled him. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not certain, uh, but any organization that Dan Bongino is on the board of, I'm not so certain is legitimate <laughs> to begin with. So, um, and to your point, Johnny, with Clubhouse, uh, 
I think the way that it can avoid the kind of censorship and deplatforming issues is that everything that's on there is said live. There's no mechanism for storage where then they can say, oh, all right, well, we didn't like what you said. We're going to delete it now. We didn't like what you typed or what you said, you know, we disagree with or we think is incorrect. We're going to take it off our platform. You know, it exists in the moment in a, in a way that, you know, um, a lot of other platforms don't. Um, I think it's still, I mean, it's it's much cleaner than Parler. It's not the same sort of program. It's not the same sort of idea even, but it certainly is an opportunity for people to get together, to gather, to speak, to share their mind, uh, to talk about really anything they want. And it's done in such a way that it's, um, I think it's naturally protected from the overlords, as you put it. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, listen, yeah, yeah here, here's the thing. I think that it absolutely should be free speech. I mean, granted, it's an online, it's a digital format, but um, at one time, the newspapers were our, our mechanism for speech. Look, if, if the system you create um, allows people to um, speak their mind, it allows them to, uh, to have their own space, um, look, I agree with DeSantis. I, I agree with the, uh, the, uh, the director of Florida Consumer Protection, um, what they've done here. Um, I think absolutely we should be suing their pants off, um, that we need to be promoting free speech. Look, every single newspaper out there absolutely um, uh, uh, is bound by you, you, you have to allow somebody the, the freedom of speech. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a major topic like hundreds of years ago when we created the nation, right? Here's the thing. And I pay, I pay a lot of money to Facebook. We, a lot of us pay a lot of money for this platform. It's not a free platform, okay? So, uh, and, and I mean, I think my Facebook bill is over 1500 maybe $2,000 monthly, okay? Uh, so the fact that I don't, you know, we, we should be allowed freedom of speech on this platform. Um, it doesn't matter whether they created it. Uh, it doesn't matter who prints the newspaper. Um, if you're willing to pay money to say what you you want to say, uh, you should be willing. You should be. Ha you should have the right to say it. And and a lot of us do pay for these platforms. These platforms. This isn't you know Mark's uh, bulletin board service for free, and he can control who comes on and comes off. Not at all. This is a company that charges for advertisement, just like a newspaper charged for advertisement. And and look, we're not North Korea. I mean, if you want if you want North Korea, fine, go with that idea. That's great. But I, I'm going to say this. You know, I'm not going to move over to Parlor or Clubhouse. No, I I, I promote Ron DeSantis, and um, let's continue suing their pants off. Let's do whatever we have to do to force freedom of speech on these platforms. Well, and just to jump in for a second, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I mean, the First Amendment doesn't protect your freedom of speech. It protects you being encroached upon by the government when you say something that the government might find offensive or somehow objectionable. There is no freedom of speech protection for Facebook and for Twitter, period. It doesn't exist. If you want to say that getting a vaccine will cause you to grow horns and Facebook now has announced that they're going to delete your comments and, and post something over top of it, that's fine. But nobody is stopping you from walking out into a crowded street, probably with or without a mask on, and saying, don't get a vaccine, you're going to grow horns. There's nothing stopping you from sharing your mind. And again, there is no there is no First Amendment protection for these platforms. It's one of those, it's free market. You don't like it, move on. I and agree. It's frustrating I to somebody who, you know, conservatives, we always want to say we're the small government people, right? We are the people that say small government is what we want, less government is a good thing, unless we can use it to enforce our will 
on a private company that we don't like because they said bad things about us and acted in an inappropriate way. And then we should get the government involved. So I don't know. There's there's a there's a just massive tinge of um, of hypocrisy in all of this that kind of just drives me nuts. You know, as somebody who uses Facebook and Twitter to consume information, and you know, and advertises for my clients and spends money there as well. Uh, you know, if I if conservatives aren't there and Republicans aren't there, I won't spend my clients' money there. We'll find somewhere else to do it. But if they are, you better believe we're still putting money into Facebook and Twitter. Because if I can reach the people that are voting on our side of the aisle for primary elections, it's absolutely going to happen. You know, but I just do not understand the argument of let's slap these companies around. If we want to remove all the protections that they have, and I think it's, you know, uh, Section 230, I think it's called. Right. Yeah. Correct. If you want to remove those, Bingo. Exactly. Exactly. If you want to remove the protections, change the law to protect, you know, to basically not give them an advantage anymore, then great. If you want to hit them with an antitrust lawsuit, because there's only a couple of them, do it. That's within the law, but there's no, but there is no constitutional protection for what they're doing. Yeah, I have to agree. I think. Go ahead, Anibal. I think we've gone way far off the conservative Republican uh, talking points when we're just constantly trying to score points in regards to hitting. Uh, Facebook and, and Alphabet and some of the other ones because we don't like what they're doing. Now, I agree that in regards to what Florida is going to do with the, with the consumer protection, you should be given the right to allow uh, companies, if, they, if you want to give the company your data, then you should be aware of that happening. And if there's a monetary connection attached to it, then the individual should be getting that monetary value because they're paying for the data that you're providing and giving it and selling that data to other companies. And you should get a portion of that money and you should be able allowed to opt out of that if you want to opt out the same way you're able to opt out for getting phone calls at 7.30 at night from telemarketers. And that, there's a reason why we have those in the books now. I completely agree with Brock that Section uh, 230 need to be, needs to be reviewed and they need to and it needs to be removed. These individuals are no longer um, the the public square. They should be seen as newspapers. And and when something happens like that, they should be forced to have a retraction when they're when they're doing something inappropriately. And if they're going to not, and again, if I was Parler, I would sue the pants off of some of the other websites because at the end of the day, they're saying they were a deep platform because um, the allegations that what happened on January 6th was being done through Parler, which is very not the case. You can see it on Twitter and on Facebook as well, but yet they were the ones that were signaled out and they were the ones that were forced uh, to close basically last minute. So um, I would agree. I agree with Brock. I also understand where, where, where uh, Cherry is coming from, but I don't think it's the proper argument to have in regards to what's going on uh, and talking about free speech. That's not where I think we should be going. I will say a parlor is probably going to be like the, the guy sitting in front of Tenement Square with a tank about to roll across his chest because it's very difficult to compete with uh, other platforms that are uh, giants in the system. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, to Brock's point, um, you know, and, and if we look at what happened, um, well, two things, really. If we look at what's happened politically since social media became a factor in politics, right, we were way behind the ball in 2008. I mean, we just, no, nobody in the Republican Party and the higher-ups were taking it seriously. Uh, John McCain made very little to no effort, you know, to leverage social media as a platform, as a way to reach voters. Um, you know, you fast-forward... You know, and then we did a little bit better in 2012. 
Um, you know, and then you, you, again, progressively, you saw the, you know, uh, one of the main legacy points for Reince Priebus, anybody who is that deep into the weeds into Republican politics knows that he invested millions into a national database, you know, to help them win federal elections, you know, and it's part of the reason why I think we've been so successful federally is because they invested millions of dollars in a digital infrastructure um, that has helped them you. Uh, win elections and gather that is data still paying dividends that is still paying exactly. dividends yes. no exactly right and so in the same token republicans and conservative uh entrepreneurs need to make the investment to develop platforms where again they can control the narrative and they can control you know if you want it to be a free speech platform then great let's make a free speech platform if you want to make a conservative leaning platform then let's do that but you can't sit here and cry wolf um, you know, and, and as Brock said, you know, still be the party of small government when you want the government to come down on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all these other entities that the other countries have uh, for their censorship. But to that extent that, you know, about, you know, 230, you know, they are publishers. They are no longer platforms. Um, and the easiest non-political way to defeat that issue is by the, the simple fact that they create their own content. If you go onto Facebook and you go into their video section, they create their own content. If you go onto YouTube, Google creates their own content, you know, and so they are, they are publishers. Um, they pay Correct. people to yep. create the, they pay people to create content and they create their own content. And so they are, they are publishers through and through. And I think that that's why they need to be reclassified and, uh, and, and revisited as again, technology continues to change. Um, now, just, just to talk about parlor for a minute. I mean, they got, they got, they didn't get deplatformed themselves. They got caught off guard by the fact that, you know, their, their suppliers of cloud space and their server farms were liberals. Right. Um, And, and, you know, so they had to take the time to get organized and figure out what was going to happen and where they were going to get the needed infrastructure in order to run their platform. But let's be honest about Parler. It is a niche site, which is fine. But if it, you know, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's never going to replace Facebook, and, yeah. and it doesn't. It doesn't have an, enough. It doesn't have enough activity on it right now for us to even advertise on it. But no one's ever really going to use it. I actually, this is where I do agree with you. It does suck. No one's on it. I'm not on it. No one's on it. You know, a few, a few French right wing people are on it. Great, that's awesome. But, but you know, w- w- I think that here, here's where I will agree. We absolutely need to reclassify Facebook. They're more of a publisher now. Um, since they're controlling their content, content, then they absolutely need to. We need they. They don't need to have the protections that they have right now. That solves a lot of problems. If you're able to figure that out and get the get the the Biden administration to remove two thirty from the situation, then that's what's going to work out. Uh, Laura Hunt, uh, Laura Hartman said something great earlier in the in the comment section, and she says that she simply uh, the simple res- uh, responsibility for what I say and do online and it is a platform that hosts my comments is not responsible for it and that is simply what needs to happen i think people will feel much more comfortable as as soon as and again if the government has to step in it needs to step in but removing 230 no longer allows these platforms to be able to be so uh lackadaisical when it comes to their uh, approach to removing people and removing their content if you're going to start removing which means that you are now 
um, creating a space and creating um, and and creating a an environment, then you need to have that removed so that you're able to fully go into that sphere. But it is very difficult to compete with a, a corporation that has a, a billion, two billion plus people on it, and for you to do business somewhere else. Yeah, look. Well, I mean, and- if it were a better product, more people would use it. I mean, it's going to show, and, and Johnny and Johnny's been in this space, uh, you know, for geez, more than a decade now. But at the end of the day, it has to be something people will adopt. It has to be a good product. It has to be a, a you know, a solid user experience. And Parler just isn't that. Right. I mean, heck, you, you you're you're going to get a better experience on Nextdoor talking about, you know, whether or not the family next door lost their dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, so. I love that website. I have no problem going on that side. I think it's hilarious watching what's happening across the street and everything else. I will pivot, though, to Clubhouse. And the reason why I will pivot to that is because I agree that it is a live broadcast of the not the conversations. However, people are already going to start archiving that to be able to use that against uh, uh, conservatives or other people of free thinking. For them to, and that allows for the count the cult the cancel culture to continue because same way that Snapchat was like, oh, it's only there for fifteen seconds or five seconds, then it goes away. No, people were recording it, and now you see have ridiculous Snapchat stories. Yeah. But that's what's going to happen. Guys, with, you guys, you guys, you, you guys are all going in the wrong direction. Let me let me say this: you, you realize that Facebook content, the, the the people that run the algorithms of Facebook, design the whole system to keep you engaged. They, they intentionally take your the things that you like by analyzing your devices, analyzing what you do, uh, by, by using uh, data from like Nielsen and company um, and, and, and various sources to analyze you and to put in front of you what you're most likely to view. It's an advertising source. They don't actually, uh, all these things that we're talking about are kind of like the, the real goal of Facebook is to keep you on Facebook all the time. And that's why it's more engaging because the algorithms and things are designed so that you're constantly on it, that you're clicking it, that you're addicted. You're creating an addiction just like sugar. Crack. Raise your hand if you've ever posted a Snapchat story. <laughs> I'll say I. All right. Uh, yeah. There you go. No, I, <laughs> uh, I, I have again for marketing reasons. I've obviously need to be familiar for with what these platforms, mm-hmm. do, how they operate. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I've had my account now for uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, and um, I never post to it. I mean, I'll check in to see what certain friends are posting from time to time. Um, but I just don't. I don't really get it. I don't really enjoy it. I don't really see the value in it i don't, I don't even want like watching some of the well-produced content on there i mean because they've inundated it with ads already um and so anybody that has a popular uh channel on snapchat i mean you can't watch uh, a two three minute video without getting three or four ads in the meantime uh and so to me they it's just uh, you know, I think it's going to be a player for, for quite some time, but I don't expect it to be around with the longevity of uh, a Facebook or even a Twitter. And, he, and in that regard, you know, and I've said this, some people don't necessarily agree with me, but I think Clubhouse could easily become, you know, one of the top three, definitely a top five social media platform, um, you know, because people are actually engaging with each other. And, you know, my biggest gripe with with Twitter is that people don't really engage uh, with one another anymore. 
Um, it's it's just not you know it's more about people you know it's it, uh, having a one way conversation, just sharing their own content or their own viewpoints. They're not really engaging with uh, uh, you know a lot of there's not a lot of conversation taking place. Uh, whereas with Clubhouse, you can certainly see people in these rooms actually having dialogue, you know, about whatever their room or their club is about. And uh, I think politically, um, as, uh, you know, elected officials and candidates kind of catch up to it, I think it's going to be a great platform uh, to mobilize volunteers to, uh, you know, gain momentum for a campaign. Um, and it's going to, again, allow people to uh the one thing uh, that clubhouse i think the biggest advantage is accessibility right because early twitter if you remember you know back 07 08 you know if, if there was a celebrity on twitter you could message them and they would message you back like you were actually dialoguing with people that were seemingly uh, and previously unattainable i the same thing is happening right now with um with clubhouse I mean, you've seen there's a lot of celebrities jumping on there, a lot of thought leaders. Um, you know, you're seeing guys like Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, celebrities, uh, Lindsay Lohan, uh, MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, you know, like, you know, and, uh, and you're seeing the list grow in relevance. Um, and you could be in one of these rooms with these celebrities, with these thought leaders, and actually ask them a question and have a conversation with them. And and that was one of the nice things about uh, Twitter in its early days that I think has gone by the wayside that Clubhouse has seemed to recapture. And that's why I think it's going to be around for a long time. Just it's a couple of nights ago, Gary Vee, who I know you just mentioned, Johnny, was in a room with less than 120 people. Yeah. And that's Which, somebody that they paid thousands of dollars to go see. Thousands of dollars before the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Thousands of dollars to be in a ballroom with a thousand people. Right. Yeah. And, right? and you so, can easily go jump in there and ask him a question, you know, and, and have a dialogue with him. Yep. The, the beauty of it will, see, will be what, how it becomes as more and more people get on, as it becomes more political. I mean, even in the in the comment sections on Facebook, it gets it gets malicious and it gets very ugly very quickly because people are so negative because of these keyboard warriors and not having that real interaction. Now that we're in a pandemic situation, people I would assume would be a lot less uh, willing to be um, vocal, um, mean because the, the, you can see someone else on the on the clubhouse. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what clubhouse looks like. I think it's it's not going to be a safe space for people and free thought. I think people are still going to go after individuals that they don't agree with when it comes to the topics that they come up with or the conversations. I mean, we already see what happened with, with um, whether the New York Times or the New York Post having Ben Shapiro on as a guest editor. I mean, they almost, they had a, they had to, they got almost crucified with their internal staff. And these things are happening all over the country. So it, it is becoming an issue and uh, it could becoming an issue of how these platforms are going to tr be treating people with different thought. You should still host, you should still have their books published. And just because some one or two people in your office complain doesn't mean anything. Hector Gonzalez made a comment earlier that um, um, could someone like Donald Trump have their own platform? I think it is, it is grossly inappropriate for Donald Trump to try to build his own platform. I don't think it's necessary. Oh, come on! No! Man, I would love it! If Donald Trump no had his own platform, point. that would be awesome. Why? That would be 
so entertaining. I would be, I would be entertained. You know, one thing Donald Trump has definitely done, he's definitely a great entertainer, okay? And, uh, and, and I think that's a lot of the reason why he won the presidency. Um, and that's a lot of the reason why he lost the presidency. Well, such is life. Well, you remember, <laughs> if you remember, Andrew mentioned that he didn't think he lost, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you know, I, I have a lot, I have a, you know, we, we all have our opinion. Well, uh, I, am I still allowed? Is this North Korea? Am I allowed yeah, to have an opinion, yeah. or do I go to jail tomorrow because I think that? I don't know. The federal government might come and take me away. I mean, welcome to North Korea. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but uh, one thing Donald Trump will not do is sit quietly and go quietly no. into the night, as many wish that he would. Um, he will launch... Oh, no, either... that's good. I want him to be out there. Yeah, no, look, he'll, he'll launch either a TV channel or a podcast or a magazine. Like, he's going to do something. Um, and it's going to be... It, it'll be big, and it'll probably be successful because now he has a very... Uh, a, a very strong um, and very large base of support. Like it's no longer just about celebrity as he used to be. Um, I now he I think he has a more permanent base of support. Um, you know now that he's delved into the world of politics, that is going to support him in probably just about anything he does. Uh, I mean, look at the effect that his presidency had on the Trump hotels. You know, the Trump Hotel in D.C. became kind of the de facto headquarters for the Republican Party and Republicans. Yep. Um, and so and to that effect, I think, you know, we're going to see uh, a, a, something from Trump. I don't know exactly what that's going to be yet. Um, but, you know, those things obviously take time and a lot of money uh, to to execute. Uh, but I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see it. Um, maybe not by midterms, but certainly by the next presidential election, we'll have seen something come to fruition uh, from uh, President Trump, and and of, of course him leveraging uh, his his now you know political uh, base of support. So um, I love it. With that in the issue, I do agree with Cherry. I think having the Trump Hotel in in D.C. was almost like mecca. When you, when you, as a Republican, in going to the to the Capitol, you would go, you would be around other Republicans, and you felt you felt safe. You saw a lot of red hats, and you you enjoyed the space that the Trump Hotel offered, and you enjoyed the conversation. Again, I have multiple stories of have multiple bottles being opened and shared in the restaurant with other fellow Republicans, and we felt very comfortable talking about Republican things. And that's something that you don't see in many places around the country. I will also say that the second acquittal of Trump gives him a large platform anywhere he wants. He doesn't need to create, the reason why he doesn't need to create a new one is because anyone he picks to be on will automatically get five to 10 million people to sign up for it just because he's on there because we want to hear his opinion and the democrats i don't know what the long game is for the democrats because at the end of the day if they keep on bringing him up in conversation and keep on trying to sue him and keep on doing that it's just going to piss people off more and more and more where you're going to have him probably run for a second term if you continue to put him out there I know. I, I personally feel. I personally feel that he shouldn't run for a second term. I feel that he should become a kingmaker, enjoy playing golf, which I think is probably what's going to happen. No, I, I think he, golf. guys, 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 you, you, you check this out. Rush Limbaugh, as sad as it is, right? He is not going to be with us very much longer, and that's going to open up a huge audience that didn't exist before 
that's going to be completely open. And I feel like some kind of Trump media can fill that space. I mean, honestly, I, I, you know, as many, many years as I've listened to Rush, I've never seen Rush love a president, any president, Republican or otherwise, uh, in, until Trump. And I feel like the Trump followers are the Rush followers. So I feel like a natural progression would be take those people, you know, AM radios on the way out. Now we're listening on iHeartRadio and such. Take those people now become the base for the new Trump media platform, whatever that is. And absolutely, you know, either one of the, the, the hot, sexy daughters or, or, or one of the guys or, or Trump himself. I, 2024, I, I give it a 75% chance one of them runs for 2024. I give zero chance that any of them is going to run for president in 2024. I think it's absolutely ridiculous for anyone of the family to think that they have the same kind of coattails as President Trump did. And at the they second will time, run for office, but not for not. For they president. will, yeah, they will run for office, but they will not. Uh, guys, Bush. Look at Bush and his son. I mean, yeah, look at that Bush became Jr. governors. That became governors, and then ran for the presidency. You have to. There's a reason why there's an order to this. I do not think we're going to see someone coming out of the woodworks again. Trump was probably once in a lifetime situation in regards to having that occur. Also, having the Trump base, it's fine, and he'll win the primary. He won't win the presidency. He will not win the general election if he continues with the rhetoric. People are done with the rhetoric, and they want something else. Uh, I think we'll well, as, as a, go ahead, Brian. As an active member of the party, I just want there to be a different voice. I mean, as someone, again, whose job it is to elect Republicans, it was not easier, despite all the new people in the Republican Party, it was not easier under President Trump. It was much, much That's more difficult. Yeah. And we need a voice that can bring people together. They don't have to be a moderate, but they need to conduct themselves in a way that brings people together. President Trump did many, many, many great things. Yes. But... You know, go to sleep, would you please? You know, it, it's, you know, I, there are so many young, um, energetic, uh, different, well-spoken, um, established, uh, di you know, dignified members of the Republican Party that could run. You know, I mean, heck, we could have another one of those god-awful 15-person primaries. But, I mean, when you... I'm okay with it. You know, you have people like a Nikki Haley. Yeah. Well, uh, you, know, you know, people like... I mean, even, God forbid, a Ted Cruz, but people who are established in, you know, exemplary what they do. Um, you know, a Mike Pompeo, for example. Um, you know, people that are really good at what they do. They're young, they're energetic, they bring a different, you know, mindset. They have experience. Um, you know, I, I just think there's too many opportunities as a Republican Party to strengthen ourselves to kind of keep one foot in the grave. You know? I agree with Brock. Well, we I, have I, I, a I, I, very I, large no. bench. We have a very large bench when it comes to the Republicans uh, that could run for 2024. And the fact that we have uh, two female governors, we have senators, we have LGBT people that could easily run for, for the president. And I would love to see another 15, 16-person primary because that allows... Sure for the networks and everyone else for us to be able to talk about the conservative and the conservative movement. And as Hector said, I want P I want someone that's going to be able to focus on kitchen table issues. The Republican Party okay. has, has fallen away from that. And the reason why we're only five votes away from taking over the Congress, taking over the House is because local parties focus on local races, and that's how we won a lot of congressional seats, Miami, New York, California, seats that we were never supposed to win. We did because the Republican narrative still works in the local narrative portions. And we have to get back to that so we can take back the House and Senate in 22 so that we have an easier run in 24. Go ahead, Andrew. 
You know, I just I, I think that um, that the pushing you know thinking that hey we're going to walk away from the, the Trump is not just Trump the brand. Trump is an ideology, and um, I think what's actually going to happen is is the Republican Party is going to have to split, and uh, there are people that are on the uh, you know that that. that kind of the, the, the old school Republican way of thought thought process and there are people that are kind of this this new um, Trump thought process and, and how many of those people agree with the things that Trump did and the American first platform and how many of those people just are in love with Trump himself I don't know but but I think there's an ideology difference and um, and I think that if, if the Republican Party doesn't wake up and realize that there, there's been a huge shift in ideology after this, um, that it just kind of falls apart and becomes something what else. What shift of ideology? I am very confused when people say things like that, and they make comments about ideology of the Republican Party. We survived the Tea Party movement. We've survived other movements in the past. And if you want to split the Republican Party up, then be perfectly happy having Democratic control for the next 20 years yeah, Anibal, because the Republican Party can't keep themselves together. Anibal, you know, Trump is a product of uh, the uh, of the Tea Party movement. I mean, he is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you and at, he's right. You, you look here right. in Florida, you know, Rick Scott and Marco Rubio were products of the Tea Party movement, you know, and uh, because, you know, again, it was a, a fired up. Uh, it was it, it was a conservative base of the party, um, you know, that wanted to see uh, not only uh, new blood in the party, but they also wanted uh, people that had business experience and business acumen, um, and that weren't entrenched in lobbyists and in other political games. And and so you know the reason Trump was successful um, is because again he wasn't a politician. You know, and when you are talking about a shift in ideology, I mean, look, the one thing that he got Republicans away from was talking about social issues. Now, does that mean that Trump didn't support um, the pro-life movement? Of course he did. Um, but he was also um, certainly more towards the middle on LGBTQ issues than maybe any prior uh, Republican president. Um, and and he got us away from being pigeonholed on social issues and and made the conversation about foreign policy, made the conversation about the economy, yeah. made the conversation about global trade. Um, and but that's nothing that Republicans are going to fight against. I don't understand the comments that people are making with in regard. Now because I will say because the your traditional Republicans get wrapped up in the social issues, and then all of a sudden, yeah. every debate and every topic becomes about well, being pro-life, or that, or it becomes about marriage between a man and a woman. When, that's again, not what's going to split the party. That's not what's splitting the party. What's splitting the party is, is people. people no, that that's is. not splitting the party. Right. What's well, splitting the exactly party, it. it's, it's, what's it's splitting the party is the love affair people have with Trump. No, 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 no. He no. hit the nail on the head. Listen, I want to tell you something. I, if a guy and a guy want to get married, get married. Um, I, I, I am not a traditional Republican, okay? I am by any means definitely not. I'm a libertarian who, who identifies more with the Republican Party than with the Democrat Party. But when it comes to social issues, you know, I've, I love my gay friends. And if they want to be married and have the same rights as, as, as we do, absolutely they should. Um, and, and I think that, that we have got the, these, quote, conservative Christian values 
I mean, things have got to change. Even the churches are allowing gays in the churches now. The, the Catholic Catholic churches. I don't, I don't know where you guys are coming at this. Yeah, I've been is. attending all of these HREC meetings, and they have not had one issue with new gays. You're attending the old. You're you're attending the <laughs> old HREC. These are some of the most conservative Republicans that have been have been allowing LGBT members into the organization with yeah, allowing. 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 That's the yeah. problem. That that allowing. Allowing. Is not splitting. Yes, I don't see that. That is the problem. Anibal, you and I, Anibal, you and I both know that accepting and 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 then truly elevating or considering them an equal is a completely different thing. You're not going to see them elevate anybody that uh, is uh, LGBTQ or in some cases as you and I both know a minority into leadership uh, positions. The reason uh, you know, Brock I want to hear what Brock has to say. I, I mean we all have spent too much time amongst the party, right? So if you look at, you know, registered Republicans, people who identify as conservative Republicans across the country, the evangelical Republican base is about 15% of that group. So, you know, did Trump, I mean, long term, the biggest influence Trump will have will be broadening our party's base, yes. bringing, uh, bringing Hispanic families into the mix, um, uh, bringing in blue dog Democrat union workers, people that weren't there before. That said, there is absolutely nothing, you know, and, and, and the Republican Party is in a place where it can't come back from liberalizing on those issues, and probably rightfully so, especially as the right, party gets younger so. and younger and younger. But at the end of the day, there is absolutely no difference in, you know, 99% of the policy that a president deals with or, con, you know, congressional candidates deal with that that is not you know, within a couple percentage points of where it was in 2015. Maybe the focus is slightly different, but let's be honest, we can say Trump did nothing to hurt the pro-life agenda. And I'm, you know, I am what, you know, I'm, I'm of the, believe it or not, 42 years old, the younger batch of Republicans, but you know, he was, a, he was a Democrat. He was the pro-life Democrat until maybe two and a half, three years before he got elected. So to think he's some dyed-in-the-wool conservative Christian, he was he was friendly to Christian conservatives because he needed Christian conservatives. Um, I, I think he was, he was registered Republican longer than a lot of you guys realize. But I don't, I, you know, I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, and maybe so I could pull them up or something. Um, but but I, you know, I've heard that a bunch of times that oh, he was a Democrat. He was a Democrat. I mean, he had to. He was in the state of. He was in New York. I mean, so uh, if, he, if I he got along with everybody. If I run a Republican who was, you know, five years ago a, a Democrat for any public office, and they get a primary, they're done. Yeah, they're absolutely and, done. Also, so, any, any, but, but regardless, any Republican that would donate money to Democrats would also be done in the primary system. Yeah. The, what brought Trump into the force, force head of everyone was because he has been able to use the media the way he wants to use the media for the last 40 years. And he was able to use it in a way that spoke to so many people. The way I see the Republican Party today of having the fractures that they do is of those of those Republicans that are want to have nothing to do with President Trump because they want to move on. And those that still want him somewhat inside the party. That's where I see the split coming because it's not going to be an outside group that opens up official within the Republican Party. 
it will be Trump himself. If Trump says that he's leaving the Republican Party and wants something else, that will be what splits the party, not the ideology of what's going on into the, well, the, the weeds. It's Trump himself that will split the party if he chose well, to and, do it. And, and an evil, I, I think well, it's not even... Take, obviously. I think, I think at some point in time, the people that were, you know, engaged Republicans before Trump will settle back into a role. Even if they really, truly, fully adopted Trump, they'll right. settle back into a party that makes sense to win, to, to advance the conservative agenda across the country. The people, well, you know... What, I think what, what is it? 2015, you know, the, the people that weren't part of the party in 20, you know, in 2015 and then came on board because of Trump, I think that's a different discussion that we'll need to have within the party about can those folks be adopted into what looks like the future you know, of the Republican Party? Or, you know, and, and maybe uh, Andrew's right on this, maybe that branch, you know, uh, splits off what that looks like and whether or not, you know, that kind of odd uh, coalition of people um, would actually hurt the Republican Party. I think it's a complete, you know, it's a complete question mark at this point in time. But, I mean, this is not pro-life versus pro-choice. This is not, you know, gay rights versus, you know, um, um, banning gay marriage. That's not what this is. This is the people that came to the party specifically and got involved because of Trump versus the rest of everyone who had been there all along. And well, you know, them, or they go their separate way. Okay, well, Johnny, Johnny, I think, said uh, something more along the lines of what I was thinking. Look, you guys think that these people came because of Trump. I don't think so. I think that Trump is a result of the Tea Party movement. When I say the ideology shift, what I mean, I'll give you an example. And, and I use the gay thing a lot just because it's easy, it's easy to use. But, um, for example, uh, a lot of the 21, 22-year-old uh, girls in the dating scene right now, uh, they, you know, they're bisexual. They, they, they and I, a lot, so I don't know what the percentages is, but, but people have kind of a different mindset now. You know, weed is kind of a openly smoked everywhere. It's, it's generally accepted uh, as much as a cigarette. Um, it's, um, in fact, cigarettes are on the way out. Most people don't even smoke cigarettes, but they prefer weed, um, uh, a marijuana or whatever. Um, people just have a different mindset. The younger generation thinks differently. And, and I think that that more libertarian mindset when it comes to social issues um, is going to change if the, if the Republican Party doesn't adapt and change on some of these social issues. I'm not talking about the 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 fiscal or you know anything like when it comes to being a little bit more conservative regarding our tax dollars um i think that we were going in the right direction with renegotiating policies with china i think we need to uh, keep the keystone pipeline open all these things that, that the republicans kind of align themselves with were great but when it comes to social issues that's the disconnect and that's where we lose so many people we lose so many we have a, we have we, we align ourselves correct when it comes to uh money but when it when it comes to social issues that's where that's where we're, we're, we're and if we if we it's kind of like i'll give you the, the corvette as a product example you know they made the same kind of front engine car for for 40 50 60 years right and um and then when they decided to make the corvette a mid-engine car it disenfranchised a large percentage of the corvette buyers but here's the interesting thing the average corvette buyer is 65 years old right so you have to look at who is the new generation what does the new generation believe 
because we're we're a party of the people we represent the people and and so uh we have to look at what the new generation what is their ideology what is their take on social issues where do they stand on social issues and how can we integrate this new ideology which is really just a, a libertarian ideology a more libertarian ideology into what we call conservatism or where the republicans align themselves our social platform is not the reason why we lost this last election. The reason why we lost this last election is because of soccer moms in the suburbs and actually less white Amer le white uh, citizens voting for Trump this cycle. We need to make sure that we know the audience that we're talking to and that we're able to talk into their position. We want Florida and other parts of California and Texas because of the Hispanic conversation that trump was having very good at and being that kind of leader that every hispanic enjoys a nice dictator every once in a while but yeah, what's going to happen you're you're right that that's not why we lost in 2020 but the reason we won in 2016 is because uh, trump talked about the things that were important to americans at the time which was e the economy which was uh, you know uh, unnecessary uh, and ongoing wars and he talked about uh, you know again all the bad deals that we had you know trade wise you know globally you know but this we are in a new but we are in a new world now if the pandemic wasn't here would Trump have a second term in a heartbeat the economy yeah. was going great and everything else but we are in a different world 2022 is going to be a different kind of conversation i think p a lot of the american public was just tired of the rhetoric that was coming out of the white house and wanted someone else to be able to push that's, it that's, that's not it guys that's, that's, that's not it case, it's not the rhetoric from the, the white house lost you were no, that's andrew, not it I at all. andrew i understand that's your position it's not it andrew. you don't even know what i'm going to say next and the reason why we lost is because we couldn't get soccer moms and other people in the suburbs to be okay with someone having the rhetoric that Trump had. If you want to argue that point, you no, can. Hold on, the hold polls on, don't that, say otherwise. That, okay, and you know why soccer moms don't 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 like the quote, Republican narrative? Because we don't know how to it wasn't deal the Republican with, narrative, we, we, Andrew. It was so Trump. Let me finish the thought. It's because because we as Republicans, Republicans don't know how to deal with race as an issue. We don't know how to deal with with the gay, lesbian, the social aspects, where people are. So the Democrats have painted us, and they've been doing this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they paint us as, the, as a racist, evil group, yet we're not. We're very inclusive, um, and, and, and what we need to do is figure out how to, how to alter our advertising so that, 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 we, we, that we identify as non-racist, that we identify as I'm sorry, that's um, not true. Inclusive. I'm, I'm sorry, that's, that completely, that's that completely is not true. And the reason uh, why I can I say that is because 2020 uh, election, we had the most LGBT voting for the Republicans, most blacks, most Hispanics voting for the Republican Party. Now, do, can we do no, better? No, it's not those people. We can always it's do the better. white people. We can the always white... do better. But it wasn't the Republican um uh, the policies that made white people not vote for us. It was the rhetoric coming out of Trump that did not let them vote for us. Yeah, at the, at the, end, at the end of the day, Johnny is 100% right. The, when he laid out why we voted for Trump as an organ, as a party and why the, the country elected Trump in 2016, he's absolutely right. He had the conversations nobody in power was going to have over the last 30 years with people who didn't get to talk to power. You know, uh, out of work, you know, factory workers and, and union reps and truck drivers and coal miners and these people that had just completely, it's like they didn't exist in the United States. Right. And, you know, everything that Johnny said was 100% right. And we didn't talk about 100% of those issues this last election. No, and I said this previous... about... Sorry, go ahead, Brock. No, I was just going to say, it may not be what Trump said, 
But it, it, it is certainly our failure to secure the White House was because of what Trump didn't allow the party to say because of all the oxygen being taken out of the room. There was a fantastic lightning in a bottle in 2016. And for unbeknownst, you know, unknown reasons, we didn't just replicate what we did in 2016. Right. Yep. In fact, if there was an opposite of what he did in 2016, being the people's president, right? He did the other thing. Let's see how many people can run down a hole. Well, and it, Trump didn't have a Trump didn't have a hated enemy. You know what I mean? Like he did in 2016. Toil. You know, and so again, you made the point that I made many times on this podcast, which is that Trump didn't run on the things that he achieved. He never mentioned his wins, his successes, all the things that that he promised he would do and did, which many politicians can't do. Uh, he had a record that he could have run on, and he didn't. And he Johnny, record. I mean, I would agree that. what it really comes down to, I think, is message discipline. What, can you can we think of a time where there was a successful piece of news that came out of the White House that he didn't immediately step on the message? Right. Yeah. Like you know, if if we have the best job numbers in the history of the the the, the republic for African Americans, for women, for Asians, um, uh, especially young black men. You'd think we'd get more than a day or two out of that, but we couldn't because Trump did what Trump does and absorb all the oxygen again into whatever kind of, you know, thing was happening that day. And the press is naturally inclined to, you know, they'll abandon anything if they can talk badly about the president, right? So at some level, we could have talked about those things. Truth is, in 2016, Trump was the only person on the Republican side that could have won. That's my belief. And in, tw in 2020... He is the person who lost because of what you're talking about. If any other president had the successes he had, it wouldn't have been even a close election. But there was so much noise, so much white noise, so much ancillary uh, shrapnel at any given point in time. We never got to what the thing is. You know, keep talk about what the thing is. That's all that matters. The thing is the economy. The thing is, uh, you know, uh, people going back to work. You know, talk about those things. We never even got remotely close to that in a two-year stretch. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, we certainly got off on uh, quite a tangent uh, from the topic, and we're already a little over an hour and only hit about half our topics. Uh, so uh, I want to thank you again for watching The Yard Sign. And, and uh, again, thanks to Andrew Cherry, Brock McCoskey, and Ebel Cabrera. Um, you know, and, and look, to, to just basically put a cherry on that Sunday, you know, Trump made Hillary the most hated person in politics in 2016, and Democrats flipped the script on him and made him the most hated man in politics in 2020, and that's why he lost. And that's where you and I disagree, Andrew, but you know, it wasn't a repudiation of Republican policy. It was a repudiation of Trump, um, and, and they vilified him successfully. Um, and so, uh, you know, to Brock's credit, you know, for every positive piece of news that came out of the White House, um, Trump then followed it up by, you know, again, creating uh, a new narrative about something he said that he shouldn't have or, you know, and, and it was just a constant battle. You know, the, the, the media was just constantly chasing the next story um, because there were so many. Um, uh, you know, I don't, obviously, we're, we're kind of well past the one hour mark, so I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on Biden and DeSantis. 
Um, but, uh, you know, for those of you who do follow me on Facebook, you saw that, you know, I think this is more about DeSantis being a threat in 2024 uh, with Biden uh, possibly or considering or, you know, at least putting out there that he might enact some sort of travel restrictions to and from Florida, um, you know, uh, in regards to the COVID numbers. Uh, meanwhile, he willfully ignores California and New York. Um, now, some say that he was including California in that announcement as well. Uh, so is this about DeSantis uh, possibly being a candidate for president? Or is this uh, him just picking on DeSantis because he's so popular and succeeding here in Florida? What do you guys think? I would say both. Honestly, I think it's it's a potential 2024 run and also the, the very much popularity of the, the governorship here in Florida. I will say this, if it comes to fruition that this is a policy that they're thinking of even uh, of implementing, which I don't think they will. I think this was, again, a test balloon that they, they threw out there to see where it would land. And it, it landed like a lead balloon almost immediately to the point to where the, the state would revolt in a situation that he would even attempt to try to um, automatically put us down uh, as Florida. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, the number of people that are moving here is growing exponentially every single week. The number of, of companies that are moving is growing so quickly in the South. It's, it's just a different world. Um, talking to friends that are in New York and California, it is a completely different world. You're seeing the country, now I don't want to say the country split into two, but it's two realities. The fact that they cannot eat outside, cannot eat inside or outside, the fact that they're still being barred from their homes, the fact that children haven't gone to work, gone to school is absolutely ridiculous. Is, is, is the concept of our children not being able to go to school and not get a proper education is going to cause lasting damage. And I think it will do lasting damage to the, to the Democrat Party. You know, it, it really comes down to, regardless of what the reason that Biden didn't, we'll never know what was kicking around um, Kamala Harris's mind when she decided that that was the policy that they were going to announce. But regardless of whether he was coming directly for Ron DeSantis or it was just bad policy or maybe there was an issue with Florida versus New York, who knows? But what I do know is he created the first candidate for 2024 that actively had a reason to lead the horse race. He's going to be a top fundraiser, and he could fundraise off this issue for the next three months. Um, and, and if he's not doing that, it's malpractice on the part of Ron DeSantis. I assume, knowing his team, that he is, and they're doing a solid job doing it. But he created a foil for Ron DeSantis. Yep. Somebody directly who becomes, you know, becomes the, you know, the antichrist for Ron DeSantis and everyone who likes him. So uh, it's a it's a rallying cry. It's uh, you know, you can talk about my brother, but. I can talk about my brother. You can't. You can't talk about Florida. You know, it, it's just, it was just dumb. I mean, it hit the core of it. But, you know, I think this was the best thing, best thing politically that could have happened to Ron DeSantis right now. Well, real quick, uh, before we get to Andrew, you know, Brock, on, on that note, and I want to also going to give a little more fuel for Andrew to 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 fire up on. Um, you know, the, the fact is, is that, uh, Charlie Crist is potentially also looking at the governor's race, you know, and so by comparison, you know, some people are saying, well, if DeSantis gets reelected, which he in all likelihood would, um, in two years, then would it be wrong of him midterm as governor to then try to run for president in 24? Um, and could that hurt him the way that it hurt Charlie Crist? Hmm. Gosh, Charlie Chris is an interesting character. Um, it could, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, it's been the, the success, and then what would happen? I, I really hope we get to keep uh, DeSantis. I, I don't think that it's time for him to run for president. Personally, I think I think he should just remain in his current position. So, so see the full the two full terms all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Johnny, I think the other thing too is is I'm not entirely certain that the issues with Charlie Crist when he was governor had as much to do with him leaving after two years as it did with the way that he handled the office for the two years that he was there. Um, well, that's that's a good gave, point it too. gave Republicans that did not like him a chance to again. This was early Tea Party, um, a, a chance to paint him as a career politician, which he very much is. You know, uh, and again, uh, you know, looking ahead, you know, let's say six, would it be six years from now, four years from now, um, you know, you 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 got a DeSantis now who has served in Congress, now served a full term as governor, uh, in in the middle of a, of a second term as governor, making now a run for president. Does he then become the de facto career politician, or do you think he's able to? kind of brush that off his shoulder and still be a contender in 24? Or should he, you know, uh, roll the dice and see if, uh, you know, he has a chance in, in 28? If he's at 53 to 55% approval rate, he'll be just fine. Agreed. I think Matt Gates has already made a comment out in the public saying that if Ron DeSantis decides to run in 24, that he will back him in 24. This allows for a lot of openings. If Ron DeSantis decides to to run, I think he gets the blessing of, of, of the previous uh, 45. And if he gets the blessing of 45, I think that will sway a lot of the influence. I think Trump would rather be a kingmaker than run for run, to be king again. He's already been president. He already has the statue. The library will be somewhere in South Florida where the Cubans will love him. And so it's going to be a great time in Florida. It's, it's going to be a great time in Florida to be able to have the, the previous president here putting his support uh, behind the governor. And I agree with Brock. You, I can talk about my brother all day long, but you come after my own brother, I'm going to come after you. And a lot of Floridians, uh, Democrat and Republican and Independent, were very upset that the Biden administration was even inkling with the idea of, of putting sanctions, uh, travel sanctions in Florida. I think, I think they woke up a giant when it comes to it. And watching how the governor has been handling the media is beautiful. I absolutely mm -hmm. love it. Him uh, drinking a beer at the at the Super Bowl and pushing back against the the, the media is is beautiful to continue to watch, and you get pride as a Floridian knowing that we made the right choice uh, picking mm -hmm. him, and that we'll make the right choice again in two years when he runs for governor, and God willing, if he runs for president. Yeah, look, I'll say this really quick: is is that if not for the pandemic, uh, I mean, I'm almost scared to think of how high Ron DeSantis's approval ratings would be. Uh, because really, this pandemic has, has really only been the thing to kind of knock him down a notch. Uh, and even that, again, now as we are looking at having been in this pandemic for about a year, he looks to be coming out ahead of uh, certainly all the major yeah. state politicians and governors um, that have been trying to navigate this uh, situation. Yeah, the decisions that he made to focus on those that were 65 or older and those that were in long-term care facilities, again, we are the second largest population of those in those two categories. Focusing on that and allowing the state to continue to operate where people aren't losing their jobs, the fact that we're not at 10 to 15% unemployment in the state of Florida is 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 uh, is 
has been something that will work in his benefit. Again, it, it didn't matter what his approval rating was six months ago, while the, the height of the pandemic and no one knew what was going on. It will be now that what is the benefits of what he did is because people are moving to the state, because businesses are moving here, they are showing that what Ron DeSantis did worked and is continuing to work. All right, guys, so we'll, we'll kind of cap that one, and I'm sure we'll be uh, revisiting that topic, uh, you know, uh, if uh, the Biden administration continues to kind of go down that path. But like you said, I think uh, they, they got a lot of pushback that they were probably not expecting. Um, and so uh, I, I think we may have heard the last of any travel restrictions to Florida. Um, I don't think they expected the, the pushback that they got. Uh, super shenanigans. Let's end on uh, kind of a fun note again. Uh, congratulations to our Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where our show originates on becoming the Super Bowl <laughs> champions here in uh, the midst of a pandemic. The first uh, Super Bowl championship team to host a Super Bowl as well. Um, and, uh, man, as someone who... Uh, born and raised in Miami, I actually got to work at a couple of Super Bowls myself. Um, again, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that uh, you know. Again, we kind of cut off at the knees uh, when it came to not only the Super Bowl experience but the celebratory experience, uh, because uh, I mean, this this region would have just been bonkers. I mean, I think it would have just been unbelievable in a normal environment to have experienced a normal Super Bowl and a normal Super Bowl championship. Um, but uh, of course, you know, now, um, you know, we see a, a, a softer side, if you will, of Tom Brady uh, in celebrating versus his celebrations up in Boston. Uh, and then uh, we saw a drunker side of Tom Brady. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, and then the daughter of the trophy I guess designer or maker, you know, saying that she didn't. Uh, Brady Gloss, yeah. Yeah, she didn't agree with the way that uh, Brady was handling the trophy, which again, I think is, you know, it. Uh, nobody cares. I mean, look, he, you know, he was. In, I mean, we've seen far worse done with the Stanley Cup. Um, so, you know, to that extent, I mean, uh, just real quick, you know, if you guys want to share your, your thoughts on, uh, you know, what is now Champa Bay, you know, because of course, you know, the Rays, the Rowdies and the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champions are to be included in that conversation. You know, it, 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 first of all, the daughter of the person that nobody's ever heard of wants an apology from the GOAT. I think, you know, I think that could be classified as maybe overstepping just a bit. <laughs> I mean, heck, if it had been Vince Lombardi's daughter, I would understand, but geez. I mean, honestly, I would have only been concerned if it was actually Vince Lombardi. <laughs> hey, he was, let's not forget, he was at the Super Bowl in, in, in as a hologram. As a hologram, right. You know, it, it's interesting, though. The one takeaway I have of the, uh, I don't know, we'll call it Trophy Gate because everybody loves a gate. <laughs> is the fact that he was three quarters of the way to being Captain Drunky Goat, right? Like he was, yeah, he was well into the bag, and he's still connected, no sweat on a completed pass. You know, it, Gronkowski, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a piece of beauty, right? Like it was not Gronkowski, was was amazing. No, 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 uh, so not look, no, 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 no. If you look at the picture really closely. Okay, because this is what fascinated me. Okay, the guy who caught the bulk of the trophy was not Gronkowski. If you look at Gronkowski, his, his hands, Gronkowski's hands are actually on the football part of the trophy. 
like as if he had caught an actual football. Go back and watch the actual catch, and Gronkowski's hands are on the football portion of the trophy. The, the immaculate the other, reception. Yeah, the, yeah. Whereas the other player caught, you know, I would say the the bulk of it, right? You know, the well, and it was almost it was almost a non-issue because he had to come from Disney World and was late. Really, <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear about what the important thing was here. But, I mean, it just shows you that Tom Brady can literally asleep <laughs> and throw a pass and connect it with somebody, right? Oh, yeah. Also, it can't be light. No, it's not light. But I will say this. The pandemonium that occurred in the city was quite entertaining to watch from uh, the streets filled with uh, YouTube uh, YouTube students at um, at Soho to downtown Tampa to the Channel Side. Pack. Even, Pack. even, yeah, even Ybor City was absolutely, absolutely packed. Very little mask wearing, which God, is to the chagrin of the mayor of Tampa that she was very upset and very disappointed of the amount of people that were not wearing masks. And hopefully we'll see what happens when it comes to them putting tickets out for those that were not wearing them. I think I think this just shows how much Florida doesn't care anymore. Uh, no, are, we, we, are, we are the city that's represented by a pirate ship. Okay, we promote Ebor and all its debauchery. This is Tampa Bay. Okay, what do you expect? And uh, an interesting fun fact: our numbers are actually decreasing when it comes to COVID. But just saying, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying our numbers happen to be decreasing. But uh, you know, hey, look, no one really cares about about the trophy creator, or the daughter, or whatever. What we care about is Tom. Gra- Tom Brady is the uh, the most awesome player in history and uh, I think he can kind of do whatever he wants I have well, you know, and just go political with this for a minute the only person we care less about than the daughter of the creator of the <laughs> of the trophy maker's wife or something is Jane Castor who wants to act really <laughs> really upset that people didn't wear masks probably while she wasn't wearing a mask given her history so let's just you know tamp down Tamp down your outrage, Mayor Caster, and why don't you just, you know, go back to, you know, whatever it is you weren't doing before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, real, the real fallout of this whole situation, is, I would say, is actually the superintendent of Hillsborough County School System. Yeah, yeah. He is getting a lot of pushback for, for not wearing a mask to begin with. And also wait for about 30 seconds, actually. Just for being there, period. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. What are you doing at that faci- at that parade when the bulk of your administration and teachers are still at school teaching children? Because the, the mayor, school, the the mayor decided to make it at one o'clock instead of five o'clock, where it was for the lightning. I think it was absolutely bullcrap, and I think they probably made it one o'clock because they wanted to make sure not many people showed up. And you know what? Thousands of people showed up, played hooky, and were on. The we're on the boats, we're on we're on the shores, and we're in the buildings watching from above. So I think it was fascinating. I will say in regards to the 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 um, what's the problem with that one woman when she's talking about the trophy? My first thought was like, who is this bitch? I have no idea who she is. I don't care who she is. I don't care where she comes from. I don't want to know about this woman. She could be Karen for all I care. I just, I'm I'm over it. Get over it. I agree with Andrew. We are a pirate city. It's gonna happen. It is what it is. Well, and, and, you know, and to your point about the superintendent, you know, the worst part about his hypocrisy was not only the fact that he, you know, took off his mask at some point uh, while he was there, but that he was 
was there in the first place after he sent an email the day before oh, yes. saying that he did not want any of his staff, faculty, um, you know, to be present at the parade and, uh, you know, to do what's right for the students and to do what's right for the, you know, the schools and to, you know, stay home or stay at school, you know, but not to come to the championship parade. And sure enough, not only was he there, but he had the audacity to give television interviews. And, uh, and, and, and so, uh, I mean, there's plenty to be mad at that guy about, but that uh, is obviously some, some icing on the cake. Um, not I need him to figure out the financial budget for Hillsborough County oh School. God. It is absolutely, it is a, it is a meteor that is about to hit, and it's going to be a disaster when they start having to close schools or merge them because they cannot pay for what's happening right now. Even after we gave them a few cents increases, and three schools got air conditioning units, it's an uh, absolute farce. Not, not, and to not, not to get off on a tangent, you know, but now they're going to go build a memorial for you know some oh. site that they build a school on top of. Um, you know, I'm they're over probably it. spend about six figures on that. But anyways, that's another show. The other thing that I found amusing was Brady talking directly to the mayor with, without wearing without a, mask. a mask. Yeah, you know, and that there's even a city councilman whom I will not mention, but is a friend of many of us on this show, who was also at the celebratory uh, uh, events uh, without a mask and took a picture with the goat with no mask. Um, and that picture disappeared from Facebook real quick. Um, <laughs> you know, and so it's just, it's just such complete nonsense. I mean, um, it, and obviously it didn't look great on the mayor's behalf. The fact that she, you know, puts forth this mask ordinance that, uh, you know, and then still, you know, has to face Tom Brady who, you know, couldn't care less about, uh, what authority she does or doesn't have. <laughs> Um, and, and she has to be cool with it. You know, what was she going to do? Was she going to arrest Tom Brady? Was she going to arrest Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> she should. Wearing a mask? She should try. I would love it. I would oh, love for her amazing. to try. I would love it. Yeah. Tom Brady would become the quarterback of the Bucks and the mayor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, exactly. He would be mayor. Yeah. Well, the good part is he would have had time in the drunk tank. You know, <laughs> still rough. Yeah. So what's what what I'm still try, scratching my head about is what the hell avocado tequila is. Um, so is that the worst thing you've ever heard of? That sounds horrible. And, and I don't think I want to know. Um, you know, so we may leave that one a mystery. But uh, there's only one thing tequila should be flavored like, and that's tequila. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so all right, thanks again uh, to those good-looking guys right there. Uh, let's see. Um, again. Uh, it, Andrew Cherry, Brock McCoskey, Anibal Cabrera. Sorry, Brock, I got a little graphic over your face right now. I'll go That's cool. In a second, um, guys, thank you so much for the great conversation. Hit ninety minutes on the dot. Uh, look at that. Um, Free Myanmar. <laughs> Free Myanmar. Sure. Yeah, we'll talk about that maybe next. Maybe next week, Anibal. Um, but uh, again, on behalf of those guys, we appreciate you for watching the yard sign. Don't forget to download, subscribe, like, comment, share, uh, and catch the audio version of our podcast at the Tech Overlords over on Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Audible. Um, on behalf of those guys and myself, thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. So long. <laughs>